Hello, this is Jane Stavum, Superintendent of the Sioux Falls School District, and this is our podcast. Join us for an audible look inside the Sioux Falls School District, where we'll put a spotlight on the people, places, and practices of our district. Hello again, everybody. This is Jane Stavum, Superintendent with the Sioux Falls School District, and this is our podcast. Just as a reminder, this is one of the times we get to sit down with the people in our district or district partners and have a conversation rather than a presentation. So today, we are welcoming somebody who's relatively new to our district. Gay Anderson is the new, uh, as of what, January, Gay? Mm -hmm. The new Director of Nutrition Services in our district, which means, I always think this is a huge job, you oversee all of the meals prepared on a daily basis for all of our students. Correct. No big deal, right? Just, you know, <laughs> throw a little mac and cheese on, cut up a few apples, good to go, right? Just like planning for the family. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Actually, there's a lot more to it, and we're going to mm-hmm. find out a little bit about that today. And I just think it's a fascinating area of our district, particularly with a lot of the changes that have occurred maybe over the last five to ten years. Talk about food service when you started your work in this area to what that looks like now and some of the big changes that we've seen happen through the years. Okay, well, first of all, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, It's kind of exciting to be able to talk and showcase uh, child nutrition programs. I'm someone who's really passionate about it. And going back to about 2003 is when I started with school nutrition, and it was long before the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, long before we had a lot of... uh, difficult regulations to meet. I shouldn't say difficult, but stricter. Complex. Complex. Mm -hmm. That's a very good word. Uh, Regulations that we have to meet. And so with that, it's kind of we've evolved over those uh, now going into 19 years of school nutrition, seeing a lot of different changes. Uh, Big focus really started 2010 with the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act. Uh, That was part of uh, the Obama administration where a lot of people, um, that's where we started getting talked about and being heard a little bit more about. Uh, where it started looking at let's reduce the sodium, let's look at the calories. We've always looked at calories but restricting, restricting it a little bit more and coming up with some different portion sizes for age grade group and uh, formatting all that out and then having to go and see how does it fit on, on a nutritional pattern. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act. What were the big components of that? What were some of the the big changes that people would have felt in nutrition services? What did that look like kind of in your daily preparation? So some of the the growing pains in the beginning was that we had to start serving everything that was a whole grain, or grain I should say, into whole grains. And in those early years, manufacturers didn't have time to get ready for this. So uh, picking on a slice of pizza, the first time you start rolling out some uh, new pizza products with a whole grain crust, it can be almost more like cardboard. And yes, over- I remember. <laughs> and over the years, they've come through and really come up with some better products mm-hmm. uh, that we're able to showcase. Uh, the other thing that was really difficult is convincing students that any time they have a meal that's reimbursable, we call it reimbursable, that counts as a meal, they have to have a fruit or vegetable with it. And that was a very difficult factor in the beginning. Sometimes you still get a little pushback about mm-hmm. it, but every meal that we do serve has a half cup fruit or vegetable. Yeah. Breakfast and lunch. 
Gotta have ranch dressing too. I think most kids will eat just about any vegetable if they can dip it in ranch dressing. Do you get to have ranch dressing in our schools? We can have ranch dressing in the schools. <laughs> we, we make sure it meets along with the rest of our meal sure. pattern. And I do have to say between ranch and ketchup, those are two of the items that we purchase most cases of district-wide. Uh, you know, I used to have a t-shirt that said I put ketchup on my ketchup. So <laughs> I'm a big fan, not on my vegetables usually, but other things. One of the other things that has really changed in nutritional services over time is also the ability to kind of customize a menu for some maybe more medical needs. Mm -hmm. And then we also have food allergies. Talk about the impact of those things um, kind of on that daily preparation. Well, for a district our size, we have, I believe, right around 650 to 700 special diets that we have to work with. And so when you talk about that, you may think, oh, you know, 23,000, 24,000 students or whatever it is right now, it's not that many, but we have to make sure that we're looking at that individually so that we do not give them something that would cause um, an allergic reaction, or uh, in some cases, it's also for religious reasons that we do that. And so we do have to follow that. It's part of what our national guidelines are. And the other piece with it, it's also some things that we look at trying to incorporate culturally then if we have some of those special diets. Mm -hmm. And I used to say with my family of three kids when they were growing up, I could put a meal on the table and somebody was bound to complain. I know it's going to happen. Yeah. Nothing like having 24,000 opinions about what's mm -hmm. being put on the table. There are opinions, and I think it's always important to think about how we find out if kids like the food that they are being served. How do we go about that in our district? How do we know what kids like eating and what some of the things are that maybe didn't go over so well? So our program is participation driven and I basically have started looking at the days, what we serve on each day and look at, okay, where are we at? Are we up? Are we down? Are we staying stable? Uh, we have not started it yet, but we are going to be going into it this coming year where I hope to do a lot of student surveys. Uh, where they can rate the food or they can give their input. Um, our goal is also to start doing some taste testing with the kids. I may think it's a good item. I have to worry about the participation factor. I need to have the kids like it and wanting to come back and eat it and talk yeah. about it. One of the elements that we also think about when we're thinking what kids will choose and, and what they want to eat is that element of choice. When I was a young mom, um, for a few days in a row, I asked my first grade then son what he had for lunch, typical question when they come home, and the first day it was a hot dog, and the second day it was mini corn dogs, and the third day it was a foot long, and the fourth day it was a chili dog, and the fifth day it was a regular corn dog, and so I looked at the menu, and there was a regular meal each day, and then there was a choice option. And mm -hmm. I figured out that out of that month, he had about 10 opportunities to choose mm -hmm. a hot dog product. And I thought that probably wasn't going to be the best option. But he's in first grade. <laughs> Who doesn't want to eat a hot dog every day mm -hmm. for lunch? How do you balance choice, nutritional offerings, but also things that are appealing to kids, like pizza, like hot dogs, like chicken nuggets? How do we balance all of that? Awesome. That's a really good question. And we start with that. Basically, you try and come up with a variety that you know that you have a baseline menu. Uh, as we're growing the program and making some changes uh, with my time here now, we're looking at adding more choices to uh, both middle school and high school locations. 
Uh, and I have a big dream that someday we're going to offer choice to our elementary students that we can mm -hmm. figure out here's a different entree that you can have a different choice each day. And I do believe we'll get to that point sometime. It's, I think it's important that kids have choice. We see a lot of food waste uh, over time. Mm -hmm. And just like us, if we're told we have to take something or we have to eat something, we might dig our feet in a little bit. Kids do the same thing. Right. And so taking uh, something that we know they're not going to eat, we need to kind of find out ways that we can help incorporate that, that they'll want it. Yeah. How do you eliminate as much waste as possible what are some of the current practices that we may be starting or should think about starting in terms of food waste? And then along with that is composting, recycling, reusables. You know, I know some of the barriers um, early on to reusable products was then um, sometimes that creates or, or non-reusable disposable products mm -hmm. creates more waste. If they're not compostable, then you've got more garbage, but yet maybe you were able to serve the food faster. There's always kind of a trade-off. How do we view all that in terms of really eliminating as much waste as possible? Starting with the food, um, I am looking at piloting in our elementary schools this year, something called offer versus serve. Mm -hmm. So the kids are actually going to walk through the line. They don't have to take everything that is offered to them. They can make those choices and they can say, yes, please, no, thank you. Uh, they can turn down the vegetable as long as they're taking a fruit. They could turn down the milk if milk is not their choice for that day. And so that would cut back on a lot of the waste in the garbage can. Mm -hmm. We're looking, we have been really looking hard at how we're controlling waste on the back end of the kitchen so that we're not overproducing. So we're looking at some different ways there. Uh, but then we start talking about the waste, the complete waste in the garbage cans. It does end up in the landfills. And there's a lot of different options out there that we're looking at and hearing about. I partnered with people across the country knowing what some of them have been doing, knowing that there are ways that maybe down the road we can do a little bit more with recycling, maybe the milk cartons and mm -hmm. uh, some of those other things. I think we need to catch up in our community to be able to do that before we can start doing that. Yeah, and some of the biodegradable products that are just starting to appear now that are really usable. Mm -hmm. I remember some early biodegradable products would just, you know, collapse kind of as a kindergartner was walking with mm -hmm. them because it was just too flimsy. So again, always trade-offs, but always new developments and things that we can be working on. Our kids are very mindful of that. I know we have some groups really focusing on sustainability that we want to continue to grow in our schools, not mm -hmm. just with nutrition services, but just with you know, um, waste, healthy products, all those things that are important, but um, always being reasonable in what we can do as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always that line of um, what's ideal and what's reasonable, and we try to land somewhere in the middle. Um, let's talk about partnerships. We have a lot of partnerships with nutrition services that people may not be aware of. One of them, um, you spoke of milk as the Dairy Council, USDA that creates guidelines and rules, but also supports some of the things that make their way into child and nutrition services. We have community partnerships. Tell us about some of the good partners that we work with here in the Sioux Falls District. Okay, starting off with Midwest Dairy, uh, we did just receive a grant of about $87,000. So we are, along with your support, are going to be really pushing on uh, breakfast uh, exposure and some new ideas with breakfast this coming year so hopefully we can see, have our kids uh, realize that yes while they hear it's the most important meal of the day maybe they mm -hmm. can also sample and taste it 
we'll be using some smoothies. We've got some smoothie or immersion blenders we're going to start using and really trying to market it at the door as the kids come in instead of the traditional, oh, I have to go to the, the lunchroom. Mm -hmm. And with our meals being free for everybody, it's another way to try and really showcase some of that. Other partners, I'm blown away by the, uh, the community members that I keep hearing about that want to help with anything they can. And it's, it's been really amazing hearing that since I've started here with the meals all being free uh, this past year and now going into this coming year again, it's really nice because maybe we can sit on some of that and save it for when we do have that, that serious time, mm -hmm. which I do believe down the road families will start paying for their meals. Yep. Although it is, I have a dream that it would be nice to keep it uh, universal meals for mm -hmm. all. We were able to provide that this summer as well. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the summer feeding program and how that's gone and maybe some of the new locations if people took advantage of that opportunity or, or where we still have some room to grow. We have a lot of room to grow. And I think part of it is uh, on my end, I, I'll own it with some marketing. I need to do a little bit more of that. We had 10 open sites this summer where we had kids that we knew actually were attending uh, like the summer academies. Mm -hmm. And so we decided let's open those up so that they can actually, we know that we'll feed them. And then we offer help to the outside and anybody who wanted to come in and eat with us for free. And I, I'm one who likes to dream big. I wanted bigger numbers. I love to see participation. I didn't quite make that one goal I wanted, but we can still do it. We're, we'll keep on plugging away. Yeah, sometimes it just takes a few years to be recognizable, mm -hmm. especially when you open new locations. And there are many uh, generous partners in our community that really have focused well on food insecurity. And mm -hmm. so we know there's multiple ways that families can get supports in addition to the, the meals that we provide at our schools. So I know when I was in you know school growing up, if you tried to get me to eat breakfast at seven o'clock in the morning, it just wasn't gonna happen. It would almost make me just feel kind of ill. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really care to eat until maybe later in the morning. How do we account for that? Kids are you know still kind of waking up when they get to school. They're busy thinking about you know their locker combination if you're in middle school or seeing their friends or just getting in and getting settled. Do kids have the opportunity to eat breakfast at a point other than just right when they come in the door? So we're working on that, and that's really exciting where we're going to be able to offer for like our secondary kids, middle school and high school kids, uh, an opportunity for like for up to an hour or so after uh, school starts. Mm -hmm. They can come through. We'll have opportunities with some kiosks that we're going to be placing around so that they can still just do that quick grab and go. and it'll have to be something that's fun food and not something again we, we need to make it so it's really attractive to them to draw them in we have been doing some breakfast in the classroom in our elementary schools mm -hmm. and i hope to continue to grow that with our uh, grant we're actually we have more carts that we'll be taking down hopefully down to the classrooms and being able to offer some of those fun things and then it just becomes everybody's involved and it's not just certain people get to have it yeah that's great so let's talk about schools opening up soon. I'm a parent, maybe I'm a new parent, maybe I'm an experienced parent. One of the biggest questions, as you know, that starts to crop up a few days is, what's for lunch? How do we find what's for lunch? How do I, as a parent, know the nutritional values that are part of that meal? If my child is diabetic, I need some nutritional information. Mm -hmm. If my child's a picky eater and I need to know when to pack something for them, how do they find out great information? 
So we are in the process of rolling out a brand new program. Uh, it's called Meal Viewer. It will have it actually has an app. And so on there's your an phone, app for that. There's an, an app, app for, for that. everything. Yep. <laughs> and so with that, you can pull it up. You can see what is on the menu for that day. Down the road, we'll be plugging in our own pictures so that if a student goes home and says, you know what, this just, I didn't like this, you can at least see that this is what we actually are serving. We're not going to use stock photos. We're going to put out our food. But then along with that, it has all the allergens listed. We will have all the nutritional values listed and all the carb counts, kind of just what you hit on. Uh, the children that are diabetics will be able to figure that out. It'll be a nice way for uh, nursing services to work with us mm -hmm. and for parents to calculate those types of things, too. Yeah. Not using stock photos. Everybody needs to remember we're not doing food modeling, which most pictures of food may not be real food. So I think it's great that we show real food mm -hmm. because that's what kids are eating. Well, we are looking forward to having that new web-provided uh, platform for people to look at. It will be housed within our new district website, mm -hmm. which we're really excited about launching here pretty soon. And I think like everything, this is a service that we want to do a great job providing to our students and families. We want to make it um, appealing. You said right now, we think for the foreseeable future this coming year that meals will still be at no cost. That's one break that we know families can have in terms of the cost mm -hmm. of just, you know, everyday living. And so that's been a, a good thing, I think, for many families. Talk about one of the big headlines that's just been out recently mm -hmm. is about supply chains and the effect of COVID now on school lunch supply chains. And I'm telling you, I think a bigger crisis in COVID may be if we are not able to supply chicken nuggets in a timely <laughs> manner. Tell us about what that looks like in reality. Are you hearing rumors of that? Do you think it will affect us? And what does that mean when we see those articles? Well, there may be a day that we're changing the menu because we don't have the chicken nuggets. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Let me know because I want to brace myself for but, our comments. Mm -hmm. We're actually hearing uh, the chicken producers is one of the com one of the companies that we're really struggling. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've got this all earmarked that we've planned for. Uh, and they're struggling. It's not so much the fact that they don't have the product. They don't have people that are able to make it. They still have outbreaks in their plants. And even worse yet, it's shipping. Right. Uh, we find out there's no truck drivers. Yes. And so there can be food sitting somewhere, produce trucks sitting in Colorado waiting to make their way up here, and there's nobody to drive it. And then you look at the quality by the time it gets to you. So it's scary. And I was just at a um, meeting last week, and they warned us, the, the brokers and manufacturers I deal with, saying, it's going to be worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. So we need to be prepared for that. And it's like, okay, that means menu changes, menu changes, menu changes, which also makes unhappy kids because, oh, right. no, I didn't have my planned meal. So we'll try right. to do everything we can as early as possible in making those because I know that's the big factor of the day. Yeah. So something really parents need to pay attention to, not that we won't have lunches, but some mm -hmm. of those supplies may be in short demand. I remember hearing that about lumber. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that there isn't lumber to be had, it's because the people trucking it across the country are not available. You know, uh, worker supply happens to affect us in so many ways, whether it's nutrition services mm -hmm. or it's, uh, you know, some of the things with ordering our new furniture for some of our new buildings. Mm -hmm. Most of that's coming, but there are a few things lagging and we're just starting to see all kinds of different effects of that worker shortage. So we'll be mindful of that, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like in reality. Mm -hmm. But for now, we'll wait and stay tuned and, and see what we find out. We plan early and 
buy early. <laughs> plan your work and work your plan, my mm -hmm. dad used to say. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Anything else that you'd like to share just for your hopes and dreams for how we think about good nutrition for kids and what that looks like in the school setting? We're trying to you know, still meet a bottom line, still use our tax uh, resources wisely and, and how we acquire and purchase foods and then just the serving. What What's some of the big things that you're thinking about moving forward? Starting with, um, I think it's important that we share with our district families that we actually have our own budget. We don't draw off of the general fund. Mm -hmm. So we have to be sustainable in what we do since you mentioned that we have to look at the bottom line. So we have to balance between nutrition, we have to balance between labor and everything there and all the other added costs in there to have a successful program. And some of the hopes and dreams there, uh, I, I look to continue to seek out better quality foods. I like to, if I can buy a grade A that we can, we're going to be doing that. And we can, if we can be buying whole muscle chicken versus uh, some other, the other kind that we'll be looking at doing that as we can afford to do that. Mm -hmm. So we can continue to give the kids uh, the best that we, we can possibly do. Some of the other things I really just hope, especially like this coming year with meals free for everybody, uh, take advantage of it, see what we can do. And I'm open to hearing your comments, good, bad, ugly, if I need to. Uh, so that we can, if we don't know what we're doing wrong, we can't fix it. So let us hear about what we're doing uh, right and wrong. Uh, and that way we can also maybe show the potential of what the nutritious, healthy meal actually looks like. Um, I take it very seriously. We know that we, we are being trusted with a lot of the kids mm -hmm. or your children, parents' children, to feed them healthy meals. All it would take is two kids in a building to get sick, and it would break my heart. We'd yeah. have to report that. Yeah. So big dreams uh, grow the program. I want to see our participation numbers uh, grow. I want to hear kids bragging on our school meals mm -hmm. and talking about, hey, did you know, did you try that? This is really cool. Uh, and one other thought, just so I've got this, for new families, I think it would be nice so new families know, even though we have free meals, your kids can still buy a la carte, so mm -hmm. you may still want to put some money in their accounts and if, if you allow that. And the other piece is knowing that uh, with the free meals this year, free and reduced applications are not required, but we're really encouraging families to fill those out if you think you qualify. It benefits the school district in so many other ways. Right. There's a lot of different counts and things that mm -hmm. are based on that, so I'm glad you brought that up. We'll be sending those home at some point this year, and so we'll want people to be watching for that. Great information. We know that good nutrition doesn't end with the school day, so we're asking all families to be mindful of those good, healthy habits, even when students are home. Um, sometimes COVID has had a negative effect just on the levels of activities that mm -hmm. kids have had. I love seeing them out playing in my neighborhood. When I'm out for my walk, I see kids shooting baskets and riding mm -hmm. scooters and just uh, you know playing in the yard. That's a good thing. Um, you know, a lot of times childhood obesity rates were, were pointed at directly in school districts, but we have to have those healthy habits right. in and out of school. So we just encourage parents to really think about what they're putting on their table, what they're putting in their lunches, if they're providing that, and helping our kids to have a bright, bright future with good nutritional habits that last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being with us mm -hmm. and good luck as the school starts fixing uh, meals for our really big family. Thank you.